The psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Amen. Our Easter offering this year went to the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, they responded with a very nice letter I'd like to read. Thank you for your generous gift of $5,221. It will enable the Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary to provide humanitarian aid to Ukrainians who are fleeing the country. Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary has received thousands uh, have served thousands of people since the war began on February the 24th, meeting refugees' practical needs and providing humanitarian aid to churches throughout Ukraine, as well as transportation to the Polish border. In a new relief effort, a Ukrainian Baptist Theological Seminary will continue to assist Ukrainians after their arrival in Poland. This team is establishing a refugee reunion reintegration center to provide counseling and other aid to help Ukrainians resettle in Poland and other European countries. So thank you. They're, they're very thankful and God's been good in helping us to be able to provide that. Be sure to fill out your connection card, all right, and notice on the back and drop it in the offering plate when you leave. But on the back, you'll notice that this Wednesday is luncheon with the staff. How awesome is that? You get to have lunch with Michael and me and all the staff, and it's always very entertaining, I will say that. So Wednesday at 1130, meet us in the fellowship hall. And then next Sunday, right after the worship service, those who are involved in the children's ministry, they'll have a cookout uh, right after the worship service. And then on July the 3rd, we're going to have an all-church fellowship. We'll uh, grill out hot dogs and hamburgers. And have a good time of fellowship. And that will be right after the morning worship service, July the 3rd. And if you're going to attend, please check the box so that we'll know about how much food to provide. We'll provide everything. The church will. Um, we'll just ask maybe if you could just donate a little bit towards that. But we'll provide everything. It'll be here. Just show up. And we'll have a good time. And then also, you know, Vacation Bible School is coming up in just a few weeks. But we're already planning for that, so I'm going to ask Stephanie if she'll come and give us a little more information. Well, good morning. We are so excited that Vacation Bible School's coming up. I'd love for you guys to start praying about how you can be involved. Um, you will probably get a phone call from me this week just asking you different ways that you might be involved, whether that's through prayer or physically being here. It is an evening event, so if you can't drive at night, then I've got a lot of seats in my van, and I'll carry you home, right? We want everybody who wants to be involved loving on these kids to be here. So you guys take some time to pray about volunteering at VBS and talk to me this week about it. I appreciate your time. Well, let's hear from another psalm, Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. 
His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please be with us here today and fill this place in our hearts with your Holy Spirit. We worship you in spirit and truth as we sing, pray, play instruments, preach, participate in your Holy Communion and baptisms. Please touch the hearts of those here that do not know you and tug at their heartstrings so that they that they will let you in. We're thrilled to worship you and ask that you give us a heart of worship for you every day of the week. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege to worship you. We pray that it will be pleasing to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good morning. This morning we have uh, the opportunity to do uh, seven baptisms. Uh, We've got uh, four kids and three adults that we're going to be doing. And just as a reminder, uh, baptism is not what makes you saved. It's it's a ceremonial process. Just like going through a graduation ceremony doesn't make you a graduate, it's uh, the stuff that's come before that. And uh, each of these people have uh, professed that Jesus is their Lord and Savior as... uh, They believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and rose again from the dead. So we're going to begin now. Corbin Edgar. So Corbin, uh, Corbin's my son, as you all know. Corbin, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead for your sins? I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for those of y'all that haven't met the Galatleys, this is Alan, and uh, they've been coming to the church for a couple of years now, year and a half, two years, and two years, and... Uh, Alan uh, is always in the back running the slides for us and doing a lot of other things. Uh, Alan, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is Alan and Melissa's son, Chase. And... Chase is a good friend of Corbin's as well, and we're going to place your hand here. Whoop, not yet. All right, uh, Chase, before you do that, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is uh, Melissa, also one of the Galilees, and uh, yeah, Melissa does uh, uh, works over with our school and has been doing a whole lot of stuff to help us out with the, the kids' stuff, too. Melissa, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on! 
And the last of the Galilee clan uh, is Andrew, the oldest son. Andrew, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And both Alan and Melissa, as well as uh, Doug Struve, uh, were all baptized as infants. And the uh, baptism uh, is uh, designed to be a, a, a declaration of what you believe. And so Alan and Melissa and Doug as well all decided to go ahead and get re-baptized, baptized uh, as an adult so that they can tell everybody this is what I believe, not just uh, this was done for me as an infant. So Doug, if you come here. Doug, do you believe uh, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And finally, we have Miss Ava Struve. Got it. And Ava is the younger of uh, Doug and Evelyn's two daughters. And Ava, do you uh, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead? Yes. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that concludes our baptism for this morning. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Michael. We also this morning want to recognize our one graduate this year. And I'm going to ask Aaron Jeffers if he'll come forward. Uh, he is our graduate this year, and um, Aaron plays a very significant role in our church. And if you're watching by live stream, um, he is the reason why you're able to watch by live stream. Aaron is the computer guy, and you don't see him much because he's up in the balcony working the camera and the computer and making it all happen. Aaron is a graduate of Maybank High School. He will be attending college here locally, which is good because we want you to be continue to help us <laughs> with that. We need that. And uh, Aaron, uh, by the way, my wife and I, Debbie, we had an opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go to Aaron's, um, what you call it, Eagle Scout ceremony, where Aaron became an Eagle Scout several weeks ago. And so he's accomplished a lot as a young man. <laughs> So Aaron, we want to present you, would you believe we give him a Bible, of course, and a card there, but I'd like to have a, a word of prayer uh, to kind of bless Aaron and get him off on the right foot this morning. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks uh, for Aaron. We're proud of him and his accomplishments. You have blessed him through his years of school, giving him wisdom and friends and skills. Father, we pray that you'll help him as he looks forward to the next stage in his life. We pray that as he continues his education and enters into the workforce, that, Lord, you'll walk with him every step of the way. May, Father, he always be aware that you're with him on this journey of life. And we pray that you'll fill him with the knowledge of your will through spiritual wisdom and understanding. Grant to him an abundant measure of your grace as he travels the uneven road of life. Father, thank you for Aaron. Thank you for his parents and their faithfulness and service here to our church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Aaron. God bless you, buddy.
Would you all please stand and join us in singing, Oh, How I Love Jesus. chapter 6 and verse 4, would you read with me? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. The word of God. Christian care. Uh, Larry Ingram is at Baylor Hospital. Pray for him. 
Bill Guzzi is at the VA. Uh, Joan Williams' husband, he's home on hospice. Deb Jenkins is at Willow Bend. And Kay Prince is also in rehab. For those living in our senior living facilities, Flo Smith, Winona Anderson, Lorraine Bellringer, and Tony Myrick. And our homebound members are Dudley Perry and Cindy Bellmeyer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we were overwhelmed knowing that we can come to you as our Father. How great is the love that you have lavished on us that we should be called your children. And you love us with an unconditional, everlasting love. You have loved us before time began. In love, you forgave us of our sins. In love, you raised us out of spiritual death. And in love, you gave us eternal life. Father, help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And to love one another as ourself. Father, we pray for those who need your healing touch. Uh, you're the great physician. You know each one's need. And Father, we pray that you'll reach down and grant that touch. Father, we pray for all the men and women who serve in our military. We're so thankful for their commitment to our country and our service, Father, in keeping us safe. We pray today for Omar Silva, Sean Carnes, Colin Graves, Adna Mauricio, Tyler McCarty Cogis, Joshua Davis, Nathan Hayes, Colby Hayes, Devin Guzman, Matilda Pritchett, and Jason Maxey. And we always remember the firefighters and police officers and others who keep our community safe. Father, we pray for our nation. We pray that you'll be with our leaders, our Congress, our president, our judges. And may, Father, they always follow your ways because the psalmist said it best. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So, Father, we pray that you'll accept our worship today. And may the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart, be acceptable to you. We ask all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
What is it that would motivate the Son of God to come and die for sinners like us? And there's only one word that can answer that, and that is the word love. God's love for us. Our communion scripture is from Romans 5, verses 6 through 8. You see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, we come to your presence to worship you. And as we partake of the cup and the bread, we remember the price that was paid for our sins. It was your one and only Son that took our punishment and took our place in that cross. Father, we are thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ. And it is in his holy name that we pray. Amen. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also... He took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you. 
Our next song is Build My Life. Join us in singing this song of worship to our Lord, who is greater, more powerful, and more wonderful than we could ever imagine. There is none beside 
offertory scripture comes in the book of Matthew chapter 27 and verse 37 through 39. It says, Love the Lord with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is alike. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let's bow our heads and pray. <clears throat> our gracious Father, we come into your presence this morning with a grateful spirit. Your love and mercy surround us and your blessings abound in our lives. Lord, out of the many monetary blessings that you give us, we give back a percentage of them so that your kingdom may be furthered and many more lives may be reached through your gospel. Lord, we pray that our tithes and offerings may have an impact in our community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. seated. Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. It is page 718, if you'd like to use the Pew Bible, 718 in the Pew Bible. We're in Mark chapter 12, and we'll be looking at verses 28 to 34. Mark chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 28. And we'll work our way through verse number 34. Again, page 718 in the Pew Bible. Mark chapter 12, beginning at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one, he answered, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Oh, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there's no other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, well, that's more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you're not far from the kingdom of God. 
And from then on, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Let's pray. Father, would we look at this very important passage of Scripture, one, one that is very significant for us in our lives today. I pray that we'll begin to grasp what it really looks like to love you as we ought. In Jesus' name, amen. Swiss theologian Karl Barth, many consider to be perhaps the greatest theologian of the 20th century. Uh, In fact, he wrote a 12-volume series on theology called Church Dogmatics and is required reading in many seminaries. Years ago, he was traveling here in the United States. He was touring and lecturing at various seminaries and universities. And at one stop, uh, a student asked him, Dr. Bart, what do you think is the single greatest theological truth in the Bible? No one had ever asked him that one before, and he thought for a moment, and he said, well, he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And there's truth, that's very true. I think we could even say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the nail prints tell me so. I mean, we only need to look, we only need to look to the cross, and that's where we really begin to see, see what the love of God looks like. In fact, we know what God's love for us looks like. We, we look at the cross, we see the nail print, we know that. But what does it look like for us to love God? I mean, the greatest commandment, the number one commandment that, that God has given to us is love, we are to love him. So it only stands to reason that our number one priority is to try to figure out what does that look like. If the greatest commandment is to love God, what does it look like to love God? And so the goal today is to hopefully leave here with a better understanding of what it looks like to love God. Now we're studying the life of Christ and we're going through the Gospel of Mark. And you'll remember, especially from last week, you know that the religious leaders, they have daggers for Jesus. They are mounting an all-out assault on him. The Pharisees came to him to trip him up with a trick question about uh, paying your taxes. And then the Sadducees came and they tried to trip him up with a question about the resurrection and marriage. Well, today we're going to look at the scribe. A scribe comes to Jesus with a question about the greatest commandment. And we're going to look at three things in this passage. We're going to look at a reasonable question about living under God's law. And then we're going to look at a radical answer about living under God's love. And then we're going to look at a reassuring response about entering the kingdom of God. So let's take a look. First of all, let's look at a reasonable question about living under God's law. Now, the text tells us My version says that a teacher of the law is the one coming to Jesus. Now, your version might say a scribe. And that's because it's really just one word in the Greek text. It's the word grammatarion. And a grammatarion in biblical times was considered um, an expert in the law. He was a scholar of the scriptures. He was, he was the felt, these were the men who had the, the PhDs and were experts at interpreting the law of God. And so this scribe, this PhD comes to Jesus and uh, he asked him the question of all the commandments, 
Which is the most important? Now, in that day and age, the religious leaders had identified 613 commandments in the Old Testament. 613. Now, they knew they couldn't keep all of them. And they knew that some were weightier than others. Some were more important to keep than other commandments. And, and this was a hotly debated topic among scholars at that time. Which is the greatest commandment? You know, the way they looked at it was, there are some commandments that are weightier than others. And so, you know, if you're trying to get to heaven by their standards, you want to make sure you obey the weightier ones. In fact, you know, the bigger commandments are probably worth more than five of the smaller ones, you know. And so, at the judgment, if you can keep the big ones, the scale will tip to your favor. And that's kind of the way they were thinking. And so, here comes the man, and he's asking the question, what is the greatest commandment, the one we, we must always make sure that we observe? And so, let's take a look at the answer, all right? Let's look at Jesus' radical answer. The second thing we're going to look at now. Second, let's look at Jesus' radical answer about living under God's love. So what Jesus does is he directs them to one of those 613 commandments. Let's take a look at verse 29. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Here, and by the way, the word here is the Hebrew word Shema. Shema, O Israel, and the people of Israel all recognized this as the Shema, and all the children memorized it. It was sort of the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. So everyone had this memorized. And so Jesus, he's quoting really from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. And here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. So, what is the greatest commandment? Well, it's not thou shalt not kill, or thou shalt not steal. It's not to honor your father and mother. It's not keep the Sabbath day whole. It's none of the ten. It's none of the big ten. It's found in Deuteronomy 6. And the commandment is, love the Lord your God. Now, I'll have to tell you, I look at this and I'm thinking to myself, wow, <laughs> how can I possibly love God with all of my heart and soul and strength and mind? I mean, I mean, who could do this? Who could love God like this? I mean, uh, I have enough trouble loving Debbie with all of my heart, soul, strength, and, and, it's, and it's not that she's a hard person to love. I'm a selfish person sometimes. Now, She'll, and she'll tell you that, by the way. She really will. But I'm struggling. How do, how do I love God with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind when I even struggle to love Debbie with all of my heart, soul, strength, and mind? So I thought, let's take a look at this and see if we can't pull some things out of here that might help us to see what it really looks like. And by the way, before we get into this, I want to mention that there are some scholars who believe that what Jesus is saying is the same thing, just four different ways. There's no real difference between the four. Now, I tend to disagree. And I think it's because of the way Jesus phrases this. Notice, Jesus does not say, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, strength, and mind. 
He really separates them. Did you notice that? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. So I think there are some differences. Subtle differences, yes. But I do think there are some differences. And by the way, one more thing. It is obvious that, to me it is, that from just a casual reading, we're not talking about a some kind of a superficial um, affection or some kind of a casual endearment. We're talking about, I think, a heart deep, a deep, deep love that surpasses even the love that we have for our family and our friends. I think Jesus is talking about a love that encompasses every facet of our life. And it begins in the heart. He says, love God with all of your heart. Now, the heart is the seat of our emotions. It's what we feel. We even say things like, my heart is sad today. Or my heart is happy today. And uh, sometimes people will say things like, that make us sad and our hearts sad or make us feel happy or good. Now, uh, I'm just kind of making this up. But let's suppose, purely figurative here, I mean uh, fictional here, but let's suppose I say something that hurts Debbie's feelings, okay? Uh, Purely fictional, but let's suppose I say something that hurts her feelings. You know what happens? I start to feel bad because I hurt her heart. And now my heart hurts because I hurt hers. And if I say something that makes her feel good, then I feel good about myself. You know, well, it's the same way with God. When we do something that displeases God, there's a, a displeasure, there's a sadness in our heart. And when we do things that please God, there is a, a joy that is deep inside of our heart. Because the thing that makes us happy is when we bring pleasure to God. And the things that make us sad are when we do things that make God sad. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Peter. Now, I believe that man loved Jesus with all of his heart. Even on the night when he betrayed, uh, denied the Lord three times. Even then he loved the Lord. And here's why I say that. Because after he denied the Lord the third time, remember the rooster crows, and then it dawns on him that he's denied the Lord three times. Luke tells us this. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Why did he weep bitterly? His heart was deeply grieved because he knew he had just grieved the heart of the Lord. And that's why I say even then, he loved the Lord with all of his heart. And as believers, we know the things that grieve God's heart. And we know the things that bring pleasure to God's heart. And when we grieve him, our heart grieves. When we bring him joy, our heart is happy. So I think that's what he's talking about when he says, love the Lord with all of your heart. The second is, love God with all your soul. Now the soul speaks of the will. It's it's that willpower that is within us. Uh, Romans 13.1. I think it puts it well. Listen to it. Romans 13.1. Everyone must submit to the governing authorities, okay? The word everyone is the word in the Greek for soul. Now, give the King James some credit here. King James Version puts it this way. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers. When we talk about the soul, we're talking about something that's deep within us, that is that that willpower to act in certain ways. 
And we love God with all of our soul when we have the willpower to do the things that bring him pleasure. My thought, I'm trying to think about someone who did that, goes back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three fellows that, uh, you know, Nebuchadnezzar made this huge image of himself and he ordered everybody to bow down and worship that image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, we're not going to do it. So Nebuchadnezzar brings them in and he threatens them. He said, if you don't bow down, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace and turn you into crispy critters. And uh, their, their response was this. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not. We will not. Their willpower. We will not serve your God or worship the image that you have set up. Their King Nebuchadnezzar could not break their will. He could not break their willpower. That was deep down in their soul. They're, they loved the Lord with all of their soul. So, loving, the, loving God, loving Him emotionally with all of our heart, loving Him volitionally, volitionally with all of our soul, and then, third, loving God with all of our mind. Now, God has given to us a mind that thinks, it reasons, it is a powerful thing. And when our grandest thoughts are thoughts of God, then we are truly loving God with all of our mind. The psalmist, I think, puts it well. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or set in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. He thinks on it. He meditates on it day and night. We love God with all of our mind when our grandest thoughts are not about ourselves and our plans. We love God with our mind when we our grandest thoughts are on God and his plans. So, we love God emotionally with all of our heart. We love him volitionally with all of our soul. We love him mentally with all of our mind. And last, we love him with all of our strength. So the love we have for God is not weak. It's not a wimpy love. It is not uh, an anemic kind of a love. It is a strong kind of a love. And I'm trying to think, what kind? who in the Bible really had a strong, strong... We're talking about a love that perseveres. It just perseveres through everything. Who in the Bible? I thought, Job. Job. Here's a man who loved God with all of his strength. This man had everything. He had wealth. He had possessions. He had a family. And in one night, he lost it all. Everything. His possessions were gone. His children were gone. Nobody lost more than Job. He grieved as no person has ever grieved. And yet... Remember what Job said? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, that takes strength. It takes strength when you're going through a difficult time in your life and to be able to say, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, some people get bitter when things don't go their way. They get angry at God, they blame God, they shake their fist at God and claim that he's their problem. Job said it takes strength. Job's example is, it takes strength to be able to love God 
and say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, what is the greatest commandment? To love God passionately with all of our strength. To love Him mentally with all of our mind. To love Him volitionally with all of our soul. And to love Him emotionally with all of our heart. Several years ago, um, a reporter went to India. And he interviewed Mother Teresa. And he was quite impressed by um, her selfless service. He was impressed by her commitment to the people and her dedication to God. And when the interview was over, he says to Mother Teresa, he said, you know, I wouldn't do this for all the money in the world. And she said, neither would I. (laughs) You know, I think that's a little bit... Now, none of us are a Mother Teresa. (laughs) And none of us have that calling. But all of us here can love God where we are. So now, I'll tell you what, let's take a look at, at the response. All right? Third, the, re, the reassuring response about entering God's kingdom. Notice how this young man responds. Well, he's maybe not that young. He's maybe a little older. He said, well, well said, teacher. The man replied, you're right in saying that God is one and there's no one but him. And to love him with all your heart and all your understanding and all your strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that is, you're right. It's more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, Jesus never said anything about sacrifices and offerings, but the man brings it up. And I think it's because he gets it. He gets it. You know what I mean? He, he understands that it, it's, not, it's not what's on the outside that matters. It's not, uh, it's not uh, the burnt offerings and the sacrifices. It's not the religious ritual that you go through. It's not the traditions that you keep. That's not what, that's not what matters. It's not what's on the outside that matters. It's what's on the inside that matters. It's what's, it's what's in the heart. It's what's in the soul. It's what's in the mind. It's what's, it's what's deep down in our strength. That is what matters. And I think this guy gets it. It's what's in here, inside of us. And notice Jesus' answer, the last verse, verse 34. Jesus, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Notice he doesn't say, "Ah, you're in. No, he's not in yet. He's he's close, but he's not in yet. He's one step away. I think it's one step. I think the one step he's yet to take is he needs to turn all of his love towards Jesus and follow him. Because to love God is to love Jesus. You can't love one one without the other. You've got to love both. Because Jesus is the Son of God. So, so let's get to the bottom line of all this, all right? Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I think we can also say, Jesus loves me, this I know. The nail prints tell me so. The nail prints in his hands, the nail prints in his feet. Jesus loves me, this I know. The cross tells me so. And knowing, knowing that God loves us at every level of his being, and that is the greatest expression of love ever on this earth, knowing that God loves us with, with every, at every level of his being is why that you and I, we can love God at every level of our being. We can love him with all of our heart, our soul, 
our strength, our mind and our strength. Now, I granted, it is a work in progress. We're all working towards that, but I think we are, we can. To the best of our ability, where we are today, we can do that. There was an artist uh, a number of years ago. His name was Augustus Lowe, and he had uh, painted a portrait of Jesus. And it was a beautiful portrait. And one of the admirers said to him, he said, you know, you must love Jesus an awful lot to paint him with, with such passion. I mean, you can just see it in your brush strokes. It's, it's a powerful painting. And Augustus Lowe said, yes, I love the Lord. But if I loved him more, I could probably paint him even better. And, you know, I, I hope that's kind of where we're at today. Yes, I want to love the Lord even more. May that be our heart's desire, to love him more. So what is this great commandment that God has given to us? I think we can sum it up this way. And here, here's what I want us to take home today. The greatest commandment is we love God. We love the Lord emotionally with all of our heart, volitionally with all of our soul, mentally with all of our mind, and passionately with all of our strength. Now, what happens many times is I've been saved a number of years, quite a few years. You know, what happens over time is sometimes your love for the Lord just grows a little cold. In fact, there's a church that Paul writes, or uh, that Jesus mentions in the book of Revelation. Uh, He writes to them, so to speak, and tells them, you've lost your first love. So I think what I want to do today is just challenge you to think about it. Have you lost some of that love you once had for the Lord? You know, it's always good from time to time to kind of evaluate our lives, and this might be a good time this morning to kind of sit back and think, Is there something that's kind of come in between me and the Lord that has sort of interfered in my love relationship with him? And if so, what is it? And what can I do to get it out? So for those of us who are believers, I think the challenge is, is there anything that's come into my life in recent years or even recently that has really come to interfere in my love for the Lord? But maybe you're here and you've never come to faith in Christ. You don't know him as your savior. And I would say, you know what? You'll never be the same when you come to Jesus. Because when he wraps those loving arms around you, he won't let you go. And you can't help but to love him back. And I pray that if you're here today, you've never put your trust in him, you'll do that. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for the priceless privilege of knowing and loving you. Father, we confess our hearts. Sometimes our hearts grow cold in our love for you. And Father, I pray that you will help us to kind of renew that commitment, that love um, that we can have for you, and to grow in that. And Father, if there's anyone here today who's never come to faith in Christ, they've never, never experienced your love, I pray that this will be that day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand and sing. Only trust him. Uh, Just keep in mind what Pastor Scott said that Jesus said that we should do.
to talk with myself or one of our elders will be available after the service, uh, feel free to come up and talk with us about any spiritual need you might have. Also, uh, we're going to have a, a short business meeting, take about five or ten minutes at the most, so be sure to hang around for just a little bit. We're going to uh, affirm our new uh, diaconate and elders for the coming year. So take a little break, come back in a couple minutes, and we'll get that started. Let's have a closing prayer. Heavenly Father, we are greatly blessed that you, you have chosen to love us with an unconditional, eternal love. Father, how could we possibly return to you anything less than our love for you? Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The greatest thing, the greatest thing.